0: Welcome to Podula Rasa, I'm David Blank, and I'm Jim Esch. This is a podcast about finding something in nothing.
1: Welcome to Podula Rasa, I'm Jim, and I'm here with Dave Blank. Uh, Dave's in a new location now, Buffalo, New York. That's right, which is known as the city of no illusions. I understand.
0: <laughs> I hadn't heard that one. I've heard Nickel City. <laughs> but, uh,
1: Dave, I wanted to hand it off to you to kick off our uh, new season, season three of Pods Rosso Rasa. We've been off for a while. And um, what, do you, what do you have um, queued up for this episode?
0: Great. Well, uh, we had talked about discussing the concept of moving and the idea of lessons learned during that process. And uh, that seemed like a great Topic for me because I've had quite a journey over the last couple of months. Um, the 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 brief version of of my story is that we we decided to move to Buffalo for my wife's job, and uh, we decided to sell our house, uh, which we were able to do before we even put it on the market, and for a variety of reasons decided to leave the leave the closing until August. Well, in the period of time before that we had a flood in our finished basement and the closing is not going to happen in August. Um, this has kicked off kind of a whole, uh, almost like a mindfulness exercise for me, although I didn't realize I was on that path until fairly recently. Um, just making a move from an area where I had lived for 28 years and then having this on top of it has made me, um, incredibly present in the moment. Um, almost to the point where I can't be not present. I can't fade out like I would normally do in a, in a different, some situation. Um, so that's been sort of a, a nice benefit to a rather tumultuous experience.
1: Can you kind of like dig into that uh, living in the moment aspect? Like, like, what does that look like in terms of what you've been going through with your sort of day-to-day uh, travails of, of, moving and being sort of between these two places as you go from one to the next not not to mention all the problems with the basement and everything but just right what is that what is that what do you what do you mean by living in the moment
0: that way um being present being really really present i think there's a um in the for a year ago for example if you had asked me what i was doing with my life or where I was going to be going. I I might not be sure, even though I have a career path and, you know, things are pretty well set, but I would kind of be thinking about my place in the universe and how, you know, I've been in a house for 14 years and I could probably end up dying in that house, you know, because nothing had changed. And then in very short order, everything changed. And, um, so where I might have been more likely to be um, somewhat nebulous in my thinking about a variety of things, everything has come into sharp focus.
1: Like you have to do this particular thing at this particular day, at this well, particular moment, like try to get, is it partly that, like sort of like being I think like it's super because of focused?
0: That. Yes, it's because of that. Um, in the past, it was just me getting my work done, me meeting with you to do a podcast. Me taking my daughter to karate, that kind of thing. Now I have all these other things that I have to think about: rebuilding a basement, dealing with an insurance company, trying to keep our buyers happy so that they still want to buy, you know, that kind of thing. And it and um, you know, in addition to the the feeling of being present, it also has um, completely disrupted my sleep schedule to the point where. Uh, over the last week, for example, I don't think I slept much at all. I'd be up like every hour trying to, because I, my mind was just constantly going, so I, I think those things are connected, but it, but, in, but the result is that I don't, I don't zone out at all. I'm constantly doing something. I'm always, um, in that moment thinking, what am I going to do right now? Like, for example, when we finish this podcast, um, I'm taking my daughter shopping for at a bookstore locally and, um, you know, I'm kind of almost looking forward to doing this and then shutting it off, shutting off my computer, shutting off my work, and going and doing that. And that's what that's where I will be for the next whatever couple hours. And in the past i'd I'd leave and I'd be thinking about the work I had to do when I came back and those things. I, I'm just able to close that off until it's time to reopen it, if that makes sense.
1: Right now, you're present in in the moment of podcasting. But Correct. shortly you'll be present in the moment of bookstoring. Like you'll be, you'll be like, let me experience this space yes. and look at these books and be with my daughter and really like enjoy that time right. and, and and in a sense make the most of it, but just be aware of it, like being present in that in that space at that moment of time.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
1: So as stressful as this move has been. It sounds like, in a way, it's taught you some positive lessons about, like, how to how to exist from moment to moment.
0: It feels like that. It, it it's one of those lemonade from lemons moments.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You said you had been in that house or in New Hampshire for
0: twenty eight years. Was it uh, the house for fifteen and in the New Hampshire area for twenty eight?
1: was that the longest time you'd ever been in in one Anywhere. house
0: in any in any one location yeah
1: in any one location so you get you grow attached to a space like that and it's got to be like super hard to move
0: to oh it was easy. Tear up everything oh it was easy yeah it felt yeah. really I couldn't wait how you so know, like well I mean I just i know ne- it's like I never look back i um you know my wife and I have been making our lives there for 19 years. And um, because of our particular circumstance, when she started applying, I just said, hey, listen, you know, you've been here for me for this period of time and wherever you wanna go, you know, you wanna go to Australia, I don't care, wherever you just, you pick, we'll go. As long as it's good for our daughter, I don't matter because I can do whatever I need to do where I am. And so when, when she landed this job and it was such the right job for her, based you know, on the person I know, I switched immediately I, I had absolutely no feelings of attachment to this place where i'd lived for 28 years where i was essentially local i mean here's there's how local i was when we when the movers came on uh, monday and they were loading up our stuff uh, the guy pointed out that somebody had dinged the truck um go, going under a low bridge and he he didn't he hadn't lowered enough or it just didn't make it and so i said oh was was he trying to go under the Glen road uh overpass or uh, rail pass and he looked at me and he goes that's exactly where he was and you know there's other areas where it could have been but i just i know the area so well that i knew that that's probably where he tried to go through and damage the truck. <laughs> but yet even, even though being that local i just i couldn't wait to move on and i'm still you know i don't feel any sense of attachment to that area where i you know i buried people i buried animals who lived with us I didn't I just left. You know, it's like I couldn't wait to just make that break and go.
1: That's really interesting. So you don't you didn't have the kind of attachment. But do you think that's like an offshoot of your meditation practice where you've like kind of in mm. like you know, we talk a lot about letting go and detachment and right. things like that with meditation.
0: Well, I, I think it had to do something with that, but also having to do with the uh, sense of loss that I experienced when we were packing to leave, and and I I was making I was culling out my stuff, and we threw away a lot, and then and then piled everything up in in this staging area in the basement, which flooded, and we lost more. <laughs> so it was like these two successive periods of loss, one which was intentional and one which was absolutely not intentional i mean i i think i told you i lost like 10 years worth of poetry that i had written that uh, you know on a lot of it on march 30th it was just it was so wet and so moldy that i didn't i couldn't salvage any of it Mm. and this, this has zero value so hopefully people from state farm aren't listening but like when it got thrown away and that was it it was just gone and it was this stuff that i was going to go through someday and then all of a sudden like like a friend you haven't called and then you find out that they're gone that's it the door's closed and it's over and so but i didn't grieve that like it wasn't upsetting to me even leaving the house the place where my daughter was they lived her whole life where she was born like i i walked into her room for the last time and i i imagined her in her crib like you know like looking over this one time that you know it's like 14 years ago now and i had that memory and i kind of tear up thinking about it yeah but in that moment it was just like okay so that memory still exists in me i don't need to be in the house for that so there's no you know i wouldn't go back Mm.
1: It makes me think of the a couple of couple moves I've gone through. So I I was had a very stable childhood. Like we we moved from Western Pennsylvania to Broomall in Southeast Pennsylvania when I was like about three weeks old. So I grew up in Broomall and didn't move until my senior year of college. When I right after I graduated, we they sold my parents sold the house and moved back to Western PA. But I'd have this distinct memory of um, almost saying goodbye to my bedroom, like once it was all cleared out and I just kind of did a mental, like a a visual scan and just tried to like, it it was sort of easy. It wasn't like super emotional. I think it maybe had something to do with the age I was at because I was like anticipating moving to Texas for grad school and I had a lot to look forward to. So I was ready to leave all that behind me. And, you know, Broomall was a little bit of like a boring place to grow up in the suburbs, you know, (laughs) I think I'm more fond of it now than I was back
0: then. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But
1: I do, I do have a distinct memory of like, sort of saying goodbye into that space and mm. and like um, I have one photograph of my bedroom that's been saved. I wish I had taken more photographs so I could see the rest of the room because I've had to mentally reconstruct it. but um, that was that was a big move for us but for me it was relatively easy but I've had harder moves.
2: Things they never work out the way we plan. The body is unwilling, the heart makes it stand. Don't know where I'm going or where you'll be. But we have to go our separate ways, and that don't make me happy. Family had to move away, couldn't pay the bills I had to move ahead, out to the hills You could not stand it, had to leave that morning place I'll never say I blame you for needing your own space you didn't follow me, I'd follow you. But situations turn on us, there was nothing I could do. This country's just too big for us, we may never meet again. You tell me that you'll learn to write, I'll have to learn to miss a friend. something nice and it's gone again Life can be so beautiful and it turns on you so cruel. Guess I'll have to tough it up But you know I'll always miss you So
1: when, uh, um, Stacy and I, like uh, our first apartment was in media, Pennsylvania, and we lived there for about five years. And then Stacy got a job in St. Louis, not unlike your wife getting a job in Buffalo. And we were due for a move. We were ready. Like we were sort of struggling economically and everything. Uh, and so, but Dyke, like, we didn't know anybody in St. Louis at all. Uh, so it was really very much a move into the unknown and by that point after five years being in your 20s like you we had accumulated a fair amount of stuff like books and records and things so we rented the truck and we spent like all day packing that truck we got some friends to help us and uh it took uh, to clean the apartment and took all day we were not done until like relatively late at night i think it was eight or nine o'clock at night it was dark out when we finally pulled away and um uh, It was it was in a way heartbreaking, like because that was kind of like our first place together. We really liked media um, and I still like media and we were leaving everybody behind. We all our friends, my family was still in Pennsylvania. So it was like exciting to be kind of going off on this adventure. But it was like I felt very attached to to that space, Uh, and I I broke down.
0: Have you gone back to both places, to your your family home and that place? Did it feel any different?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, frequently. Uh, Like I I, I not long ago drove past the house in Broomall and it looks like it's in great shape. And the little pine tree that was off to the side of the yard is now a big pine tree. And like other trees that used to be there are no longer there. But it looks very familiar and it's nice to see that it's being well cared for. I have a very positive feeling about it. And okay. the apartment the of media, like I often will, we have a very strange feeling when we go back to media, We might go to a restaurant or something and uh, walk around the old neighborhood and it, it all comes back. It all comes back. It's like, but you feel this this weird sort of time warp effect where like you, you're older, but you're walking amidst the place that your younger self used to live. And there's, it's almost like that ghost is still there, the ghost right. of the younger self. So it's kind of haunting. Yeah absolutely we've never been back to st louis though so when we moved from st louis like it was a very different feeling i did sort of say goodbye to that one well we we moved from an apartment to a house and we rented the house for like about six months and then i got a job and we moved back to pa uh so the apartment we loved it was in this like beautiful art deco apartment building uh in a very nice neighborhood in st louis and i it would that was A little hard to leave that space because that's where Devin was born and um, uh, she was about a year old by the point that we moved I remember doing that similar kind of scan of the space kind of like I want to remember these windows these views we were on the sixth floor corner apartment had great views and uh, yeah I but we haven't been back to St. Louis at all so I, I don't know what that's gonna feel like if I ever get back there yeah um
0: how long ago was that?
1: Well, we moved in um I guess it was 98. Okay. Um uh, we moved it's a to while like, or 97, maybe. Yeah. So we were in St. Louis from 93 to, to 97. Sometimes some of my moves I wish I had been more detached, where I just like nobody wants to lose all their stuff in a basement flood. That's no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> but it sort of takes care of a lot for you. It's like, with, well, okay, we can't move this now. It yeah. just goes into the dumpster or the bonfire or wherever. And um, I have hauled a lot of stuff from like house to house over the years. And I think if I ever move out of this house, um, I will take a lot less with me.
0: Yeah. Let, let a lot more go. You know, speaking of letting go, I, we did have an, I had another experience, which you just reminded me about, uh, before we, um, officially actually left the house, we had one last bonfire in this fire pit that I had dug about 10 years ago. And, um, the last thing that that I burned was a big box full of divorce papers from when I got divorced. I don't know why I was saving it, I had everything, I had all the interrogatories, I had every bill. I I think at some point I was thinking that it would be a good idea to go through and add up the bills because I had never done that. And I was curious to know just how much it was. And you know, because in part back then, I think I made maybe if I, on a good month, maybe about 1500 bucks take home. And I had had some bills that were like four or $5,000 a month from this experience and this went on for three years and i and i somehow i made it through i i cashed investments or i borrowed money from my parents or whatever but i got through it and then i kind of wondered like how much did i spend you know but in that moment it just i burned it i felt absolutely nothing and uh then it was done there was just this big pile of ashes which is still in that fire pit unless the people who are moving in made a fire last night You know, which maybe they did, but it took a long time to burn all that paper because it was a lot like it was copy paper, which doesn't burn particularly well.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) But
0: I poked at that thing until it was done.
1: I bet it felt good.
0: Um I don't really I didn't feel anything. You know, I, I thought I would, but I don't well, know. This,
1: this reminds me of a conversation we had on a very early podcast where we talked about bonfires and uh, I, I told a story about how I burned all my grad school applications right. uh, in my, right. like my failed attempt to go back to grad school and, and get into PhD programs, which really was a bad idea. Uh, but I just took all that stuff to Ridley Creek Park and burned it in one of the like, I remember that. charcoal things and i didn't have it's interesting that you said that because i didn't have that a feeling either i just sort of watched it burn and let it go and like in retrospect that was a good feeling but it was just more like it was i guess a moment of detachment it's like as you see it go up in flames you are detaching from that experience and what those papers represent
0: right Right. It it becomes, if anything, it's, it only remains as a memory burden or anchor memory anchor. I think that's what Jill Benedict called them. And, yeah, you know, and that's what they are. But once you get rid of the physical thing, you know, that box that I've been carrying around since 2001, when, when it was finally done on Valentine's day, by the way, sort of an interesting moment, (laughs) but when that fin, you know, then to burn it in 2021 so 20 years later, um yeah i mean i I thought i would feel more and maybe that's what i was hoping for you know that i would actually that i would experience some more emotion some something but it was it was already done it was already buried it was already finished in my in me you know it was like showing up to a funeral and and it's already done everybody's left the grass has already grown over the, you know, where the casket is buried. It's like that's it. It was <laughs> kind of one of those moments. If 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 that makes any sense. It was like oh, that.
1: It does.
2: I a night and I thought of you You were trying to break into another world A world I never knew I always kind of wonder if you ever made it through Seen the shooting star tonight and I thought of you Seen the shooting star tonight I thought of me if I was still the same, if I ever became what you wanted me to be. Did I miss the mark or stepped the line? Only you could.
1: I have one more question for you sure. uh, before we wrap up and this is kind of a tough question when you think about moving from place to place you do a dramatic move like this do you think are you the same person on either side of the move or does moving change you
0: i think it has to change you i, I think it has to have changed me but it's i'm so in in that flow right now that i couldn't tell you I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a clear sense of of how, other than the, other other than that sense of presence, and my, in a mindful way that I'm that I'm now behaving that maybe I didn't behave before. Um, it's it's a really interesting question. It has it has to have changed me, but yet, I, I don't i'm not sure the book isn't written yet you know i haven't figured out at the i'm not at the end of it yet
1: but if you think of like for instance at some point you moved into that house in new hampshire from someplace else and then when you now left that you have now left that house like are you a different person or is it the same person and all these things happened to this person oh it's a it's like a deep philosophical identity from the question. beginning
0: you mean from yeah. when we moved in in 2006 yes yeah, yeah. I'm definitely a different person absolutely absolutely but in some ways i still feel like that person even though i'm 15 years older
1: that's sort of like my media experience when we revisit that space and we i feel haunted it's like i feel like almost like uh the shadow of that younger self or the younger self is the shadow of my present self like or an echo it's sort of like a reverberant sort of phenomenon they're not quite the same person not quite the same sound but it's it resembles
0: that person do you think that sometimes people go back to places the way that we're describing to recapture some of that? And ask some of who you were at that in that moment.
1: I think that happens a lot. I mean, listeners, you can send us an email if you have had an experience, and we'll read it on the podcast. But I, I would imagine like that's very common. But you, what do they say? You can you you can never go home again, or something like that, or it's like it's it's almost an impossible task to like because that place has changed.
0: Like
1: oh yeah, it's it's. I mean, part of it persists. But a lot of it has changed, so things aren't going to be familiar. Um, I mean, the town I live in now, Westchester, we've been here twenty years. And Westchester twenty years ago, well, it looks a lot different today. Mm-hmm. Like there's in some ways, there's certain streets that are would be unrecognizable. And I, I have a hard time even remembering what they used to look like because new buildings went up and buildings got raised and
0: you know. you know I have a related story that I've got to share with you that I'm just reminded of um my dad grew up on a street in in Providence Rhode Island called Goddard Ave which I think doesn't exist anymore and he used to tell us about this place I mean it they had such a small place that they only got half a number it was like 35 and a half or something like that and I once went I once found it on a map and I went back and it was a vacant lot and I'm not sure what I was going back to why I was going there it was like literally when at that time probably 30 to five years after he had left that place and um I remember being very disappointed that was probably the most emotion that I felt because I because I, I was going for something and it wasn't there at all. It was just, mm-hmm. it been raised. It was just a parking lot. That was it. Um, and I had another experience like that, actually, when I, where I, when I first moved to New Hampshire from, uh, back from, from Albany a long time ago, um, and it was just my son and I, and we lived in this dumpy place that was old owned by Dartmouth college. And it was, you know, it was a place to be and it was this little community and, um, at some point, maybe ten years ago, they they bulldozed the entire thing because it was from it was made in the forty built in the forties and, and you know it was time when I was living there it was time <laughs> and I and he and I used to drive back and we'd go to where our driveway was there's nothing else there like for a long time there was one house remaining and then it was gone and like the road was there the, all the everything else was gone except for like, we could tell where the driveway was and we'd go and sit and talk but it was that was almost more emotional than anything else that we've talked about today It was just you know just i don't know why i even would go back
1: the place only exists in memory now
0: right exactly exactly there's no hook in reality for it in None. in space None. but it's this thing that he and i can talk about that it's like only he and i could talk about it my wife never lived there i mean i think my wife had seen the places but know she didn't have that experience and you know from the time he was um i think he was two until he was six he and i lived there and then we bought a. then i bought a house and you know in that place i lived there for four years and i i felt nothing when i left it then even when i go back and i and i'll probably never go back again you know because now i'm 400 miles away there'd be no way to drop by (laughs) (laughs)
1: Google Street View that's your only option yeah (laughs) well yeah we have
0: that now we didn't have that then you know technology changes these things doesn't it it does does. the wing and the wheel
3: carry things away Whether it's me that does the leaving, or the love that flies away, the moon outside my window looks so lonely tonight. There's a chunk out of its middle that's big enough for an old fool to hide. the dreamers that I used to know We used to linger beneath streetlights With our halos in the snow The wing and the wheel they can Carry them away Now they live out in the summer Where their dreams are in their children. They. sky in the east and all the stars are in the west. Here's to all the dreamers, may our open hearts find rest. The wing and the wheel, they're gone. Carry us along and we'll have memories for company. Long after the songs are
1: sung. Well, that was a fun discussion. I really enjoyed exploring this theme of moving. I mean, there's so much more we could say about it. I wish you well with your new move. Uh, Thank you. You're now on the other side of it,
0: pretty much. Right, right. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time talking with you and looking forward to the next topic.
1: Thanks. Thanks for listening to Padula Rasa. I wanted to give the musical credits for today's show. First, you heard a snippet of Blackbird, by the Beatles, played by Dave's daughter. You heard the Moving Song, written by yours truly, recorded back in the late 80s with Stacy, my wife. Shooting Star by Bob Dylan from his Oh Mercy album that was covered by myself, Stacy, and our old bandmate Jim Morris, recorded in the mid 90s. Also from the mid to late 90s, The Wing and the Wheel by Nancy Griffith, covered by Jim Morris, accompanied by myself and Stacy. That was recorded in the uh, late 90s. And uh, Nancy Griffith is the songwriter, and she sadly passed away at the far too young age of 68 last week. I wanted to pay tribute to her. What a phenomenal songwriter and performer she was. Rest in peace, Nancy Griffith. You can find Padula Rasa at your favorite podcasting directory. If you'd like to send us feedback, send an email to padularasa at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and be well.